Lord, I'll turn your attention to the gospel according to John, the book of John chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at the 45th verse. But while you're turning there, I do want to just make, uh, just want to give you some information. As you know, we are in the throes of preparation uh, for our new worship center construction, and uh, we are excited about that. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's some snow on the ground uh, currently. Uh, that is causing, of course, a, a uh, frozen tundra effect. Uh, but we're thankful as winter subsides, as the ground thaws uh, over these next few months of spring and into summer, we're going to be immersed in our building program, project. It's all been campaign up to this point. It's all been preparation and planning and strategizing and contracting, but, but now we're getting into the nitty-gritty, and we are so thankful. Hasn't God been good to us, the Tree of Life Church? Let's go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise and, and a hand clap of thanksgiving to every person who is a part of the Tree of Life Church. And we have just, you have been so sacrificial in your giving, and of course we have more to do, and we want to just give you a little update I want to I want to give you the uh, a figure here of what we have brought in so far and uh, this is the number that we brought in so far it's two million eight hundred twenty six thousand six hundred ninety three dollars and seventy five cents can we give God praise I'm telling you that is just amazing hallelujah we thank you Jesus and uh, I want want to also uh, mention to you what we have left. We have left to meet our goal of $3,509,000. We have left $682,390.25. Can we give God praise in advance that we're going to reach our goal in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. To put that in perspective, over the last five months, over the last five months, Tree of Life Church has given $420,000 just in the last five months. That's about $84,000 a month just to the Ready Now Capital campaign. I believe over the next five months we can give unto the Lord, hallelujah, until we reach our goal in Jesus' name. How many agree with me in faith believing that God's going to bless us and anoint us to do exactly what he has called us to do? And so our preaching and our teaching and our focus is, is going to be on this very unique season of ministry that God has brought us into, this season of launching the construction of a new worship center. I can't wait, y'all. I'm already there. I, I'm just already there in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind, and I know you are as well. And we thank the Lord for His goodness to us. John chapter 1, beginning with verse number 45 Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom? Is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Man, his tune really changed. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Next thing you know, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Hallelujah. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you hereafter, Hallelujah, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And I just want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, greater thanks. Greater thanks. Can we lift our voice together and ask God to bless his, the preaching of his word today. Lord, your word is holy. It is infinite. We, O oh God, are finite, humbly requesting and calling upon your mighty name and power to minister to every need that is represented in this house. God, we pray that there will be an empowerment to do everything you've called us to do. For we are your people and you are our God. And we ask for an anointing upon the preaching of the word of God today. Hallelujah. Upon the congregation of the righteous. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. This is a passage of scripture that is detailing the transition of leadership from the forerunner to Christ and Christ himself. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet born of women, as Jesus would put it, had been preaching the gospel of repentance. That there is one coming after me. I baptize you with water unto repentance. But there cometh one after me that is mightier than I. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. Whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to loose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus, of course, steps onto the scene. And in the earlier part of this chapter from which we have read, John is standing with two of his disciples as Jesus approaches them, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And, and they begin to follow Jesus. One of those disciples of John, who stood with John in that moment and, and then transitioned over to following Jesus. How many thankful that you started following Jesus? Hallelujah. How many are thankful that you stopped following whatever and whoever you were following and started following Jesus? Well, this is what Andrew did. And when Andrew began to follow Jesus, he began to say to others, Come and see, for we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets spake, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. He said it to Philip. He said it to, to Simon, his brother, he said it to whosoever will. Jesus found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Philip went to Nathanael and said to Nathanael, there is the Messiah that has come. We have found 
Messiah. Who is he? He's Jesus. Where does he come from? Jesus of Nazareth. And when he said Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel said, Nazareth? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. He said, can there, I mean seriously, can there be any good thing that comes out of Nazareth? Is there any hope of somebody that came out of, out of Nazareth? I know Nazareth. I've been to Nazareth. Not much in Nazareth. So can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. You know they said that a lot. Come and see. There are a lot of people that have placed their, their label on Jesus or their judgment of Jesus, but have failed to come and see for themselves. They have failed to step into his presence and experience his goodness for themselves. But Philip said, come and see. And the Bible said that when Nathanael came to Jesus, Jesus saw him coming and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And when he said that, you've got to understand, that was a pretty powerful statement. And it was very telling of Jesus' knowledge of who Nathanael was. And Nathanael felt pinpointed. He felt like he had been absolutely identified and described because this was kind of a double-edged compliment Jesus was saying to him this guy has no guile in him guile is that that thing that we have that kind of wants to give an impression of ourselves when actually there's another reality lurking under the surface guile is that deceptive way of our flesh that will think one thing and say another Guile is that part of us that, that just kind of covers the real us and, and allows a facade to be seen by everybody who encounters us. And Jesus said, not so with Nathaniel. Nathaniel doesn't care what you think of what he says. He's going to say what he thinks. And you saw it happen when he was talking to Philip. The first thing we ever hear Nathaniel say is, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Is it even possible that something good could come out of Nazareth? Now, somebody with some guile might have said, oh, okay, that's interesting. The whole time they're thinking, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But Jesus said, not so with Nathaniel. There is no guile in him. When he said that, Nathaniel responded to him and said, wait, how do you know me? Whence knowest thou me? When did you, when, who told you about me? How, how do you know that I speak my mind? I haven't even exchanged pleasantries with you yet. You see me walking up to you and you just call me out and you're right, I don't speak guile. Uh, who are you and how do you know who I am? And Jesus said, oh, I've known you for a long time. He said, I saw you before Philip called you, before Philip made his way to your house and told you that he had found the Messiah of whom Moses and the prophets did speak. Before the, before the invitation came to you, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And you know what I'm talking about. 
when you were under the fig tree, when you were lonely and you were desperate, when you were searching, when you were hopeless, when you felt like nobody knew where you were, I knew where you were. I saw you before anybody called your name. Hallelujah. I saw you under the fig tree and Nathaniel stood there. Whatever, whatever it was that Nathaniel had experienced under the fig tree, whatever prayer he prayed, whatever tears he wept, whatever feeling he was having, we don't know. Just Nathaniel and Jesus understand the significance of Nathaniel and that moment under the fig tree. And none of us have to know. It's none of our business. But Jesus knows and Nathaniel knows. And this man in whom was no guile, this man who had no facade, this man who doesn't care who's listening or what they think of how he says what he says, this man said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Folks, that's a big statement from a man who has no guile. From a man who's not trying to flatter him. From a man who doesn't care what anybody thinks of him. From a man who speaks his mind, tells it like he sees it. He jumps from skepticism to complete wholehearted embracing of the Messiahship of Jesus of Nazareth. Doesn't care that he comes from Nazareth. All of his biases toward people from Nazareth, all of that has faded away. In one fell swoop, the word of God reaches down to where he is and says, I know who you are, and I know where you are. And Nathaniel said, that's enough for me. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, oh, wait. Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you're just going to go ahead and embrace the truth of who I am? Jesus said, you haven't seen anything yet. Greater things than these shall you see. This little bit of a miracle that I have performed, this little bit of knowledge of your life that I have expressed, this little bit of intuition of your character that I have demonstrated, that has been enough that you will follow me and embrace me. Greater things than these shall you see. You just wait till you see the heavens open. You just wait till you see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You haven't really seen anything yet. This is such an interesting passage of Scripture to me. Because notice Jesus' response to this man. This man was insulting Jesus. Didn't know anything about him. Hasn't met him. And he's already prejudged him. He's already lashed out with his guileless words, with his words that have no filter. 
He's already pronounced a sentence upon the person and the presence of Jesus Christ to say, I, I, I don't know if this is for me because honestly, I don't see any good thing coming out of Nazareth. It's going to take a lot of convincing. This is what he said about Jesus, and Jesus knew this is how he felt. This is how he portrayed himself. And so Jesus is meeting him for the first time knowing that he speaks his mind, knowing that he is guileless, knowing that he has no filter. And Jesus did not take offense to this man's insult. Jesus did not feel like this man was attacking him. He didn't put up his guard. He didn't put up his defenses. He didn't create a wall. No, no, no. He called this man to be a disciple. He was interested in bringing this man into his fold. He knew who Nathaniel was. That's why he had no problem with Nathaniel's guileless behavior because he knew who he was. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus knows who you are. Hallelujah. He knows everything about you. As a matter of fact, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way. He said, before he formed me in the womb, hallelujah, the Lord said to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. I formed you with purpose. You are made in my image, hallelujah. God is not intimidated by who you are. Your personality does not intimidate. God. There is nothing about you that makes God afraid to call your name. He will step up into your scenario of life and call you by name. He did it all through the Bible. Abraham, Abraham, Moses, Moses, Saul, Saul, Mary at the tomb. Hallelujah. One after another, he called their name because he knew who they were. Their actions did not intimidate him. Their actions were not off-putting to him. He knew who they were. And he knows who you are. How many remember when you came to God? If you have never come to God, now would be a good time to step into the presence of the Heavenly Father. But how many remember when you stepped into his presence the first time? And you expected a lightning bolt to come out of heaven. You expected the ground to shake under your feet. You expected the blackness of smoke to surround you. You expected the anger of God to come upon you. Oh, but just the opposite was true. God in all of his glory and grace and love and mercy and peace and patience stepped down into your world and called you by the name that he wants to give you. I know who you are. I know you don't have any filter. I know you're a little off-putting to the people around you. I know you lose friends as quickly as you make them. You have no guile. How about you follow me? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen to what he said. Hallelujah. The Lord is merciful in verse 8 and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. I, I, I used to think that meant at any moment he's going to pour out his anger on you. That's not, that's not what he's saying. He said he will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. What he's saying to us is he will not always be punishing. He will not just pour punishment, punishment, punishment. And he will not hold a grudge forever. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins. Somebody ought to give him praise for that alone. Neither hath he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Why? Why? Why is God like that? Why is God plenteous and mercy and gracious and slow to anger? Why will he not chide forever? Why will he not hold a grudge against us? Why? Why has he not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities? Why is his mercy as high as the heaven is above the earth? Why is his mercy as far as the east is from the west? Why? For he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. Hallelujah. He knows who you are. He knows. He knows what you're made of. He knows your heart. He knows your real intentions. He knows you want to do good, but evil is present with you. He knows that you want to be righteous, but unrighteousness comes so easy. He knows you want to be a holy, but unholiness is the way of your fallen nature. He remembers your frame. He knows that you are dust. He will not always punish. He will not always keep his anger toward you. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is plenteous in mercy. He is full of loving kindness. He is slow to anger. Yes, he, yes, he has anger, no question. But, but he is slow to anger. I'm going to tell you something. If you could get to the altar, you might be able to get to the altar before God gets to his anger. Because he is slow to anger. What a mighty God we serve. What a loving God we serve. Oh, oh, somebody may say, Pastor, you better be careful. You start preaching on the mercy of God and people, you give, them, you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Are you kidding me? When you start understanding how 
how merciful he is. It'll make you want to serve him. It'll make you want to love him. It'll make you want to obey him. You'll come up under his yoke. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Hallelujah. When you start really truly understanding that he didn't have to love you, but he does. When you really truly start understanding that he is such a patient father. Hallelujah. And a kind savior. It'll it'll do something to your spirit. It'll make you want to serve him all the days of your life. Hallelujah. Because Because he knows who you are. Hallelujah. You, you are a man in whom is no guile. Other people might wish you had a little guile. But, but God's not afraid of your brutal honesty. No, no. Just come to him with your brutal honesty. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry. He will answer by and by. Hallelujah. You can come to him with whatever question you have. You can speak to him with whatever is burdening your heart. Whatever is upon your shoulders weighing you down. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Because he knows who you are. How many remember the moment you realized he knows me? He, he gets me. He's not afraid of me. He is plenteous in mercy. He is gracious and full of loving kindness. Merciful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has not dealt with me after my sins. This is a, this is a dispensation of grace, if you please. A time where the grace of God is so abundant and you ought to take full advantage of this moment. Because he knows who you are, Nathaniel. But, but he doesn't just know who you are. He knows where you are. Nathaniel, you're asking me how I know you? I've known you for a long time. I remember you, Nathaniel, when you were standing under the fig tree. I saw you before Philip called you. I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you in that lonely place. I, I saw you in that hardship of life. I remember you being there, Nathaniel. I heard your prayer in that midnight hour. I remember the tears that streamed down your face. I know where you are. My mind goes back to Job, a perfect man, one that eschewed evil, one that did that which was right in the sight of God. And Job experienced one of the greatest trials that the Bible describes. It was unimaginable. And while Job was in the middle of a trial, one hedge removed, another hedge removed, the only thing he has is the breath that is in his body. He has nothing any longer to live for. He has nothing for which he can lay his hand to in this earth and be thankful for it. But this is what he said about the Lord. He said, I go forward 
and he is not there. I go backward and I cannot find him. I go to the left hand where he doth work and he hides himself from me. I go to the right hand and he is not there. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold tried in the fire. I may be lost out somewhere in this trial of fire, this tribulation of my faith. I may be in the middle of the worst case scenario of my existence, but I know God knows where I am. God in heaven is looking upon me in love. I'm not alone, I'm not alone, I'm not alone, I'm not alone. You hear what the preacher's saying this morning, you're not alone. I know you feel alone, but you're not alone. I know you feel like you're by yourself, but the Lord is present with you. He knows right where you are. Are you in a hospital room today? God knows where you are. Are you sitting in a place of loneliness? God knows where you are. Are you under a cloud of depression? God knows where you are. Are you suffering with anxiety? anxiety and fear God knows where you are are you struggling with physical sickness God knows where you are do you have a financial crisis looming God knows where you are <laughs> hallelujah John the beloved John the loved of God the one whom Jesus loved is on an island called Patmos. And while he's on this island, he is in exile. He is there because he is under threat of death. And while he's in exile on this Isle of Patmos, basically imprisoned to this island, hallelujah, God began to turn his island of Patmos into a book of revelation. Don't you know that God can turn whatever island you're on right now into a revelation moment in your life where you see the heavens open and the purpose of God unfold. Hallelujah. And while John sits on that island, the Bible said he heard a voice that sounded like many waters. And when he turned, hallelujah, he heard the voice say, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the ending I am the first and the last oh I feel like somebody needs to hear that this morning because he's not just the first he's also the last he didn't just start this thing with you he's going to finish this thing with you he's not just the author of our faith he's the author and the finisher of our faith he's the alpha and the omega he's the A he's the Z he's the LMNOP he's the God that that is right now your very present help in trouble. <laughs> and the voice said, I am he which was. Oh, I know who he was, John thought, because I saw him turn water into wine. I know who he was because I saw him feed multitudes with loaves and fishes. I know who he was because I saw a dead girl, 12 years old, get up out of her bed and live. I know who he was. It's not a question of who he was. But he said, John, I'm not just he which was. I'm he which is to come. 
the Almighty. Oh, I know who he's going to be because I see 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands around the throne singing, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Oh, oh, I know who he was and I know who he's going to be, but I need to know who he is right now in my Isle of Patmos. And the Lord said, I am he which was I am he which is to come, and I am he which is the Almighty. John, I was God when you ran to that tomb and found my clothes, but not my body. And I am God in the, in the eternities that you see unfolded in the heavens. But I'm not just God then and then, but I'm God right here, right now, Martha said, if you would have been here, past tense, my brother would still be alive. And then he said, your brother's going to live again. She said, oh, I know he'll live in the resurrection, future tense. Jesus said, you're, you're talking about the past and you're talking about the future. But what you need to know about me is that in the middle of your sadness, I know where you are. In the middle of your grief, I know where you are. I am right now the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, 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 Jesus was even talking about past, present, and future. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, that's past, yet shall he live, that's future. What do you do between the past of though he were dead and the future of yet shall he live? Here's what you do. Believe in me. He that believeth in me, that's present tense. That's what you do in the moment. You believe in him. You have faith in God. Listen, God knows right where you are. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know where I am. You know the way that I take. And when Nathaniel heard that Jesus knew who he was and Jesus knew where he was, he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Rabbi, you are the king of Israel. I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. And Jesus said, because I know who you are, and because I know where you are, you're going to follow me for the rest of your days? Well, guess what, Nathaniel? You haven't seen anything yet. Oh. That's what I want to preach to you this morning is just coming into a knowledge that he can save you to the uttermost. Just coming into an understanding that he can wash away every sin stain. Just coming into an awareness that he can put in you the spirit of the living God. A quickening spirit that'll quicken this mortal body. Raise you from the dead make you to live again oh that's great that's glorious that's wonderful but that's just the beginning you haven't seen anything yet wait till you see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man
Oh, I've come to tell somebody, yes, God has been good, but we haven't seen anything yet. Yes, God has been gracious, but we haven't seen anything yet. Yes, God has been merciful and kind, slow to anger and loving, but we have not seen anything yet. The best, the best is yet to come. Glory to God. Greater things, greater things, greater things are on the horizon. Hallelujah. Nathaniel, wait till you see me walk up to a tomb of a man that has been dead four days and everybody's weeping and wailing and moaning and nobody believes I can perform the miracle. Even I will be weeping. You haven't seen anything yet. I'm going to call his name. My word is going to go down into the grave. It's going to go down into the cold, dark, damp, dank grave. And it's going to rip him out of the clutches of death and bring Lazarus forth from the dead. Woo, Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. Wait till you see. Wait till you see thousands of people sitting, waiting for three days with no food. I'm going to call for somebody that has meat. They're going to bring me just five measly loaves and a couple of fish. And I'm going to feed everybody with just a little bit put in my hand. Nathaniel, you haven't even seen what I'm getting ready to do. I know you're walking with me. I know you're following me. And I know what you've experienced has been a blessing to you. But greater things are on the horizon. Ooh, hallelujah. Wait till you see the angels. Paul told Timothy, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, believed on in the world, preached unto the Gentiles, seen of angels. Hallelujah. Received up into glory. Let me tell you something. Throughout the life of Jesus, there are angels coming and going. Hallelujah. They ministered to him in the wilderness. They ministered to him when he came up out of the wilderness and was a hungry. They ministered unto him. They were at the tomb, one at the head and one at the foot. He was seen of angels. When Jesus said to Nathaniel, you just wait till you see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He was referring back to an old ancient type and shadow from the Old Testament where Jacob had run from Esau, fled for his life. And when he came to a place where he must sleep, he can go no further. He laid his head down upon a stone. And when he laid his head upon the stone, the Bible said that in the middle of the night, the Lord allowed him to see the heavens open. And a ladder descend down to the earth. Oh, friend, I wish I could preach it like I feel it this morning. Because God's got a ladder that will reach wherever you are. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. And I don't care how low you have fallen. God will just keep 
causing the ladder to go further down, further down into whatever ditch, whatever pit you have fallen into. God has a ladder that will reach down to where you are. I don't care if you're in a drunken stupor. God's got a rung of his ladder that you can grab a hold of. It doesn't matter how messed up you've made things in your life. God has a rung that you can grab a hold of. I'm going to tell you, the bottom of the ladder will reach wherever you are. But the top of the ladder is in the glory of God. Jacob saw it. He saw the ladder. And the ladder had angels on it. And they were ascending. And they were descending upon the ladder. And I used to think that that was... You know, hearing that story and seeing it visually demonstrated in artistic renderings, I, I used to think that that was basically God saying, hey, Jacob, watch this. I got this awesome ladder, and I got these cool angels. Watch, they just kind of go up and down, up and down. And I had this picture of the angels just kind of coming down very graciously, and, and, and that's not what was happening. All Jacob saw was the everyday activity of eternity. Angels coming and going, sent and being sent, coming and going, returning and doing, doing what God has told them to do. Angels, ministering spirits, flames of fire that God sends out as ministers to the heirs of salvation. Tree of life, church, oh, I know we've had our share of miracles. I know we've had our share of blessings. But we are going to see the greatest things we've ever seen unfold here, hallelujah, shortly. We're getting ready to see angel activity. We're getting ready to see the glory of God manifest in our city. We're getting ready to see the Lord open the heavens and perform miracles that we didn't even know were possible. Oh, Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. We're in for a revival. A revival like we've never known. A revival that we won't be able to control. A revival that we won't be able to plan. A revival that we won't be able to strategize into existence. It's going to be an overflow of revival. It's going to be an outpouring of Holy Ghost revival. God has seen your faithfulness. And he's rewarding you with a harvest of end time apostolic revival. might as well get ready because they're going to come every day of the week to get baptized in Jesus name. You might as well get ready because you're going to get calls from people you've been praying for for years saying I want to find Jesus. That God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. Yes we've been through the fire. Yes we've been through some dark days but greater things. Greater things. Greater things. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. My grandfather was pastoring in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he was maybe 30 years old. He had just begun pastoring. And when he was pastoring Calvary Tabernacle, a great church. But this church had undergone severe trial. Severe trial. The former pastor had been there for a while. Had gone off into false doctrine. And, and began another work. Began to, to pull on people and try to sway the congregation into false teaching. And, and he was pulling them over into his camp. 
he had been a dear friend to my grandfather. It was a, it was a very difficult time. People were leaving in droves. He was so discouraged, 30 years old, felt like he was really up against a mountain he could not climb. His mother-in-law, my great-grandmother, who was one of the charter members of the church, and she signed her name to uh, the purchase of the property there at Fletcher Avenue that stands to this day. And, and, and she was such a vital part of it. And, and she joked with him one morning while he was so despondent. She said, well, you always did want to start a home missions church. Looks like you're going to have your chance. They had gone from about 350 people and folks were leaving in droves following a false teaching. And my grandfather was about to leave himself because he was so discouraged. One night, he said, I've got to go to the church and pray. Around 3.30 or 4 in the morning, he went to the church, just him. He drove up. It was dark outside. And when he arrived, there was an old man sitting upon the steps of Calvary Tabernacle. He had a cane he was leaning up against. He had never seen the old man before. The cane was like a serpentine-shaped cane. It wound up, and, and he just kind of leaned on it like a staff. My grandfather pulled up and said, Sir, may I, may I help you? And the old man said, No, I'm here to help you. He said, what, what do you mean? He said, Would you mind if I got in the car with you? He said, oh, I guess that'd be fine. He let him in the car. It was 1950. And they drove around downtown Indianapolis. And the old man said, I just, I want to talk to you. He said, you cannot leave this congregation. You must stay. He gave him five prophecies. This will come to pass. And that will come to pass. And this will come to pass. And that will come to pass. And this will come to pass. And when this happens, you need to do that. And when that happens, you need to do this. You cannot leave. It all is contingent on you staying right here in this moment of fiery trial. It so strengthened my grandfather. He didn't know who this man was. Had never seen him before. The whole time, his serpentine-shaped stick, staff, rod, cane sat in the passenger side, intruding upon my grandfather's elbow room. It was, it was unmistakable. It was, it was impossible to miss. And he just kind of looked over at him and looked over at the staff and listened to the words as he drove. And, and then finally, the man came to an end of his, of his words and said, All right. You can stop the car. Leave me here. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. He said, nothing's even open. We're in downtown Indianapolis. He said, let me take you back home. He said, no, leave me here. Drop me off. He said, let me at least take you back to the church. I, I feel bad leaving you in the middle of, of downtown Indianapolis with no place to go. He said, I will be fine. Drop me off here. He said, well, tell me your name. You've helped me. Tell me your name so I can thank you. He said, you don't need to know my name. He said, I need to know your name. He said, if you must call me anything, call me three score and ten. My grandfather didn't know what that meant. The man stepped out of the car, and my grandfather felt bad leaving him down there, but he stepped out of the car, and he shut the door. My grandfather just shifted the car into drive to move forward, and he, he looked back to wave a courtesy wave goodbye, and the man was not there. He jumped out of the car, looked all around the car. He was nowhere to be found. He was gone, never to be seen again. He never saw him for the rest of his days. He was 30 years old then. He passed away at the age of 84. And every one of the prophecies that were told to him in that car on that day came to pass. When he was trying to determine whether he should go to St. Louis to accept the position of general superintendent, 
of the United Pentecostal Church. He was torn. And, and, and while he sat in his office, a man came, a new man in the church who had just recently come to God. He had just been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And the man came to meet my grandfather, to see him, and uh, set an appointment. And he said to him, Pastor Urshan, I, I, I must see you. He said, what is it? This was 25 years or so, 27 years after the encounter with the old man. He said, I, I have something for you. He said, I was sitting under a tree on a lunch break praying. And he said, while I was sitting under there praying, the Lord spoke to me and told me to break off the branch of the tree I was sitting under. And, and I did. And he said, take this branch home and carve it into a staff. I will give you the design. And he said, I brought you a staff. God told me to give it to you and said you would know the significance. When he handed him the staff, it was the exact replica of the cane, rod, staff that the old man held in the car while they were driving. And it was a confirmation to him that the next phase of transition in ministry and life had come. You haven't seen anything yet. Greater things are coming. You wait till you see the heavens open. You wait till you see the angels of God ascending and descending. Hallelujah! No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The angels of God will ascend and descend. The angel of the Lord will release Peter out of prison. The angel of the Lord will shut the lion's mouths. The angel of the Lord will come down and do what God has commissioned the angel of the Lord to do. You and I, oh, we're here because he knows who we are. We're here because he knows where we are. But we're about to see the greatest manifestation of our heavenly father. Working in our midst. Oh, if you believe it, lift up your hands and give him praise. If you believe it, lift up your hands and give him praise all across this house. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody, lift up your hands and give him praise. 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 Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on and stand with me right now in the presence of God. Stand with me right now in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the middle of our campaign, the Lord had to rebuke me. We were just getting ready to launch our campaign. Our dear friend, Brother Mark Menzendek, had told us, he said, you've got to have a leadership advance commitment dinner because the leaders are going to make their commitments first and then the congregation is going to going to go from there follow the lead and he said it's got to be big it's got to be great it's got to be awesome it's got to be the biggest thing you've ever done and I didn't even know what any of that meant so we started trying everything was 
booked. Everything was, nothing was available. Things were getting costly and costly. Finally, we, we, we just, because nothing was available, we just checked out one event venue that was the biggest and the best in town. And it was way out of our price range. It was not even thinkable. But nothing was available. It's, it was beautiful. It was extravagant. It was awesome. And, but there's, it's out of our price range. And when they quoted us the price, it was out of our price range. You know, I'm thinking, well, maybe there'll be a miracle. Oh, no, no. They quoted us the price, and it was well out of our price range. But then they said, you know, we have another event that day. So we're basically covered for that day. If you come that evening, I tell you what, we'll drop at 75%. Well, when they did that, it dropped the price well within our price range and, and at a better cost than other venues that, that, that weren't nearly as, as flamboyant and, and beautiful. And so I had this little nagging feeling, though, like, ah, you know, it's so beautiful. It's Art Deco. I mean, it's, it's really magnificent. I mean, this place has hosted JFK and Bing Crosby and Catherine Hepburn and ah. It's, it's, it's the best and the biggest and beautiful. And, and I thought, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be a big shot. I don't want to be too flamboyant. I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. It'd almost be better just to pay more and, and be more simple. So I said, let me talk to our consultant. And I called Brother Mark. And I said, Brother Mark, here's the deal. We got the best place in town at a better cost than any other venue. But it's, it's really nice. And I said, what if, what if we get in there and, and it's just too nice? He said, oh, I hear you. I hear you. He said, uh, let me ask you this, Pastor Joel. Are you going to treat every blessing that comes from God this way? Is this how you're going to treat every blessing God sends you? Like thanks, but no thanks? He said, because Pastor Joel, if you think this is something, you are in for a rude awakening because the most extravagant blessings are on their way. The most flamboyant blessings you haven't even imagined yet. And this is, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, let me get something straight, Joel. You, you, you are willing to pay more so people will think you're humble? Joel, that's what we call pride. And I resist it. Ladies and gentlemen, what I learned in that moment was when God wants to bless you, you just have to open up your heart and let Him bless you. <laughs> he resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Don't you reject His grace when it comes your way. When He pours out His grace upon you, Oh, greater things, greater things, greater things. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Greater things are on their way. I want somebody right now who knows God knows who you are and He knows where you are and you believe that the greatest experiences in God are on their way. I want you to come right now and seek the face of God. Come on in this house. Come on all over this house. Seek the face of God. Hallelujah. Lord, you know who I am. You know where I am. 
but I don't think I've seen the greatest that I'm going to see of you. I believe greater things. I believe greater things are coming to my family. I believe greater things are coming to Tree of Life Church. I, I believe greater things are coming to my marriage. I believe greater things are coming to my children. I, I believe greater things. <laughs> Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, that's it. Pour it all out to God right now. to be done in this today. 